0: As we take stock of the incredible list of events that rolled out over the course of the last year, we should highlight the efforts of a fellow member of independent media to get his appraisal. James Corbett is based in Japan. He is the editor, webmaster, and writer, producer, host of The Corbett Report, an outlet started in 2007 and dedicated to an independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. James himself is an award-winning independent journalist and has given talks and lectures related to his alternative coverage in places around the world. He joins us now to talk about his appraisal of what constitutes the main story or stories of the past year. Thanks for appearing on the show, James. It's good to host you again. Well, thank you for having me on. Happy New Year. Well, let's get to it. From your location in Japan, what do you think was the lead story of 2021?
1: If people want uh, a sort of more detailed answer on this, they can go to two places. I did a, a New World Next Year video at the end of last year with my co-host, James M. Glotto of MediaMonarchy.com, where I discussed the year in, uh, in review. And also, I wrote an editorial called 2021 Year of the Apocalypse. But to summarize, uh, I think what uh, my my main takeaway from 2021 is, yes, a lot of Horrible things happen from a civil rights perspective or a, a many other health perspective and many other ways that you want to look at it. Um, but I want to focus on the counteraction of that, that growing, uh, biomedical tyranny that we're starting to see, the erection of the biosecurity state, the, the counteraction of that, the, the great uprising or whatever you want to call it of people around the world becoming conscious of the fact that we are not living in the type of reality that they evidently thought we were living in just a couple of years ago and becoming activated on that front. So of course, we have seen all sorts of resistance movements and marches and protests and other things popping up in place after place around the world in uh, in protest of the various mandates that are coming into view. And unfortunately, they have not solved everything and derailed the biomedical agenda and all of the things that we're seeing. But I think it is, at the very least, it is the 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 necessary start To an actual movement that will derail this uh, biosecurity state. So I frame it that way in terms of 2021 was the year of the apocalypse, but I mean that in the literal sense of apocalypse, as in revelation, the great unveiling, people are starting to see what is really happening what is taking place and they are starting to choose their what side of the line they are on whether they are in in uh, on board with this uh, increasing biomedical authoritarianism or whether they are opposed to it and i think that is at least the the necessary predicate for an actual resistance movement that hopefully will arise in 2022
0: you see 2021 is the year people all over the world are pushing back against these measures. You mentioned that people are quitting their jobs rather than proceed with vaccinations and vaccine passports and upcoming The, the Great Reset. Uh, the mainstream media and much of the alternative media are saying these are misinformed people, saying that racists are behind it, misogynists are behind it, so they get portrayed in awful ways. And these depictions are definitely affecting people. Uh, I have even heard progressive people talking about mandatory vaccinations being necessary. Will these sorts of messages in place uh, – Will these, with these sorts of messages in place, are we looking – at a deep divide, a segregation within the population? And if so, what? how would that affect the resistance movement?
1: A, a very insightful um, comment, I think, because certainly segregation may be one of the words for the year of 2021 in terms of the uh, obviously vaccinated versus unvaccinated segregation, um, but also pitting parts of the population against each other. And as you say, There are people who are choosing to go along with what is happening right now in the name of public health because they do not see a deeper agenda at play. So that is happening. On the other side, um, I think in the past, certainly in the past few months, we've started to see even some of those progressives who were lining up on the side of the uh, the biomedical tyranny that's coming into view, starting to change their tune. And Paul Kingsnorth and others have started to say, well, actually, I was on board with this, but now I'm not. I, I, I see the problems of this. So I think there is a change that's happening on that front. Um, but I think ultimately, this is uh, essentially, this is what we make it. And this is why in 2021, I made the conscious decision to um, to direct my efforts towards focusing more on solutions, things that we can actually do about what is happening rather than simply focusing on the bad things that are happening. And I think that is important because that does influence the type of resistance movement that will arise. As you say, it's not just protests and marches, which... Our, I, there is a place for that and that does have a use, but that, that cannot be the answer to what is going on right now. And the specific story that I highlighted as my story of the year back in that New World Next Year conversation uh, a few weeks ago was the picnic protest movement that uh, has taken place not just in europe but also in even my hometown of calgary and other places where we're starting to see these types of health pass mandates you must present your papers to gain access to this restaurant or this bar well there are people who are saying okay I'm going to have my little picnic out on the street and hey, anyone can come join me and we'll have a party out here. We don't need their restaurants or their bars, their, their establishments where they're trying to keep us out of. We can create our own. And that is the spirit of the resistance movement that I would at the very least aspirationally like to see taking place in the world, because I think that form of resistance, not simply demanding for uh, scraps from the the master's table, but we're creating our own table and having our own picnic. Why not? I think that is the spirit of the resistance movement that could actually change the way things are heading.
0: Well, certainly, if it's not getting covered in the mainstream media, at least that I have seen, that could be a way in which this divide is being crossed. But uh, looking ahead into 2022, what would you say is the event or news story that will hugely impact our living in this COVID age?
1: There are obviously a lot of wild cards at play, and one of them very well could be the effects of the what we are being told is a vaccine that has been rolling out across the past year. We do not know. We do not know the health effects of that yet. And we may start seeing that in the coming months and year. So that may be a a major event. It may not be. It may be something along other lines. Um, in the biomedical framework, the biosecurity framework that I've been talking about the last couple of years, I think the next major move that will take place, and they've already started talking about, is a global pandemic treaty that the WHO is already starting negotiations about. And I think that is where we will start to see the teeth of the biosecurity state coming into view. I don't think it like the Homeland Security State was predicated on nation-state defenses and the Department of Homeland Security in the US. And and their counterpart institutions in each individual nation state. I think the biosecurity state will be predicated on some sort of global pandemic treaty. We can't have this chaos of people closing borders and having all these different rules. We have to harmonize all these rules and regulations and have some sort of central body for deciding when to close down a country's borders and that sort of thing. And I think that probably won't happen this year, but the, the, the negotiations will begin on that this year. The real wild card in my um, estimation and something that I'm going to be writing about in my newsletter uh, in the very near future is the geopolitical wild card, because I think um, that has been largely swept aside and there hasn't been as much attention on that in the past couple of years. But there have been major moves with regards to China and Russia and the U.S. and this new dual front Cold War or whatever it's developing into that. As I constantly stress, could become a hot war, um, just an Archduke, Franz Ferdinand type event away from the implementation of this v- vast military architecture that's been installed for this, this new cold war. Um, so that's a major wild card that I think we'll probably see some movement on that in this coming year and certainly in the coming years. I, I do think that will eventually eclipse. I, I imagine there will be a time in the coming few years where we'll look back on, oh yeah, remember COVID-19? That was a thing? Oh yeah. Oh, and then World War three started, something along those lines. So I'm afraid that isn't happy news for the new year, but I do, I do think we uh, neglect the geopolitical peril that we're in right now at our own risk.
2: Yeah. I mean... Uh- it just seems as if, uh, I mean, are you talking specifically about, you know, the ways in which the United States and the NATO are, are kind of cornering or at, like surrounding Russia and, and China? And, and right now they're de- debating uh, or they're, they're ordering Russia to, you know, stop their mobilization uh, in you, you know before they go into Ukraine and, and Russia saying, no, is that essentially what you're talking about? Or are there other issues as well with
1: it That is the two-dimensional plane of what I'm talking about, the two-dimensional chess game between the NATO powers and the U- uh, Russia, China, Iran, Axis, whatever you want to call that. Um, that is the two-dimensional chess game that's taking place. But I always try to talk about the three-dimensional chess game in which I think there are elements of the power structure in both of those sides of this Cold War that are helping to manipulate these things along Towards the achievement of some sort of global governance architecture, and that will or will not look exactly like a singular global government. It may look like some sort of 1984 scenario with the warring powers perpetually at war with each other. But at any rate, I think that is... Um, the the type of design that we're heading into. And I have a lot more to say about that. And in fact, I am working on a long term documentary project that will probably be the most important thing I'll ever do that I, I hope will actually get out there before some sort of World War Three scenario actually develops so that I can actually warn people about what's coming.
2: Yeah. And I guess I should also mention that uh, when you talked about solutions, I mean, that's a a major feature of your site these days, you know, finding a positive solution for for all of these uh, different levels that uh, that, that we're uh, encountering. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that's something like... uh, I don't know. Is that that a a new challenge? Is it something that that you you have a lot of gusto for? Or is it something that's maybe uh, a little bit more difficult than you originally thought to to put together?
1: Uh, If people type solutions into my search bar, they'll see that I've been concentrating on that for basically the entirety of the website. But I made a specific decision to focus on that in a weekly series called Solutions Watch over the past year, specifically to direct my attention and the attention, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can move some of the needle of the independent media away from simply following the MSM tale and reporting on what the MSM is reporting on in the way that they're reporting on it and say hey look they're lying about this thing that's great but that's sort of the baseline understanding that we need in order to shift our perception towards what do we do what do we actually do to affect change in the world because that is ultimately what this is all about I, I you know it's great to know about what is being done to us it is much more important to know what we can actually do for ourselves so that is my focus and I I think it's exactly as challenging as I expected it would be because I don't, I, I always stress, I do not think there's the silver bullet. I don't think this is going to change the world overnight, but I do think we can make improvements in our lives if we start taking some of our own power back into our own hands. And there are many, many, many ways to do that. There are many people who are working on it. Unfortunately, those voices often tend to get excluded when people are simply reporting on whatever the MSM news story of the week is, they will not focus on the people who are out there actively working to build a better world for us.
0: It seems to me that as someone who has to look at a lot of stories you just don't want to cover, you seem to be very optimistic in that light. I appreciate this assessment of the news from your indie media perspective. Thanks again for agreeing to my to be my guest.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again.
0: We've been speaking to Japan-based James Corbett of Corbett Report. You can find all his great recent articles, video documentaries, and more complete with full sourcing on the website corbettreport.com.